Happy New Year! <laughs> it is good to see you all. It's good to be in the house of God. Amen? Amen? Well, I am the new guy on the block. I am the new pastor. I, since April of last year, I was a missionary. I worked in places like China, India, Nepal, Tanzania, <laughs> Kenya, Uganda. I mean, we were everywhere. And one of the you know, privileges of coming back to the U.S. is I was able to share at many Calvary Chapel churches. And uh, more often than not, the number one question that they would ask me, and could you put that picture up there, that photo? There you go. There's my daughter, my beautiful wife. And they, more, more than any question, this is what the, the pastors would ask me, are you not afraid of taking your wife in these crazy environments? And my answer to them would be, absolutely, yes. <laughs> absolutely. I think of all the crazy disease that are out there. Uh, you know, when we were in Uganda, Ebola broke out on the southern side. We were in the northern side. And they kept saying, you know, there was posters saying, if you see somebody sweaty, and we're like, come on, that's everybody, you know? You're like... <laughs> run, you know, and, and, you know, and then malaria, oh my goodness, malaria was there, my wife ended up getting malaria, it was horrible, uh, and, you know, we were in China, the bird flu, come on now, so, so we go to China, and then the swine flu followed us, you know, so similar, uh, you know, disease, of course, we were working in South India, and they were about six hours from where we were at, where we were at uh, Niapa, it was a virus uh, produced by bats, uh, that were in the, you know, the tree sap and the people would eat it and then it began to spread in the pigs and the animals and right away 17 people died and the news went like crazy in India but not throughout the world because they were able to contain it. And so I was thinking of all these, every time they would ask me, are you afraid? Yeah, I'm scared to death, man. There's so much disease. I, that's why my immune system is so strong. <laughs> Wild animals, you know, we... Uh, we worked in most of the country where there's lepers. And those, when we think of lepers, we think of the spotted. These guys were big. They were huge, you know. And, and I was thinking, man, they would just run off with animals and children and just take off. And you're like, man, you couldn't just let your child play. We lived in an area where there was cobras. Uh, in fact, a mile from our house, there was the god of cobra. So they had this huge statue, bigger than, than me. And, and it was a picture of this cobra. And it's because... The land there was filled with cobras. So every two weeks or so, we, were ended up, we ended up killing these cobras. And I was like, are you kidding me, Lord? You know, and then, of course, Africa with the green vipers, you know, we're like, oh, my goodness. You know, and then we had the crazy monkeys, the baboons, the monkeys. I remember walking on a trail with my backpack, and I had all this uh, groceries with me, with me. And, you know, the monkeys, they don't talk, but you know what they're saying. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's our stuff there. That's our, we're going to get that, you know. And I, and I had little Brianna with me, and I was coming down the mountain. And I was like, Brianna, just pick up a stick. And she's this little girl, and just wave it at them. And they'll run. And she's like, oh, just lead the way. You know, and she's like, ah. You know? and we, we, we always had such crazy adventures, you know. And, and the, the craziest rides ever, I mean, some of the, craziest roads are in Nepal and India, and we were on them, preaching the gospel in the mountaintops. And, you know, yeah, I was afraid to take Brianna there. But there was this verse in the book of Job, and we're going to be there this morning in the book of Job, chapter 1. If you turn there, in verse 10, it says this, Satan accusing God of protecting Job. He says, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has you have blessed the works of his hand so that the flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. This verse comforted me because in some respect, I think that I'm better off than Job because I've been blood bought. <laughs> I've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit in me. So I believe that this verse still applies to the saints, including me and my little girl, Brianna, and my wife, and God protected us. Through those 10 years traveling all over the world, we were well protected. Getting on the craziest airplanes ever. I remember we were coming on a, you know, MAF. You know, we were flying into uh, a landing that had goats all over it. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to run over the goats, you know? And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm going to buzz them to let them know to, to get your goats off the, you know, the landing. And there's rocks that are like boulders, you know? And I'm like, this guy, man. And we come landing in, and then all of a sudden, this goat comes running by at the last minute, and he curves, you know? And I'm like, we're going to tip over, you know? But he just, you know, nothing to him, you know? And so I asked him, I said, so what happens if you hit the, what will happen to the plane or us if you hit the goat? He goes, oh, nothing. We just chop it up. He goes... <laughs> He goes, I just didn't want to pay the 40 bucks for the goat, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? You know, God protected us. And he has, and he's thus done such an amazing job. This morning, we're going to be in the book of, devotion, uh, book of Job. Uh, the title is The Devotion of Job. It's, the outline is really easy. Uh, verses 1 through 5, if you're taking notes, Job's devotion is established. Verses 1 through 5. The second part is Job's devotion is questioned, verses 6 through 12. And then Job's devotion is tested, verses 13 through 19. And Job's devotion is proved finally there in verse 20 through 22. So let's pray and then we'll get started. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you once again that we get to come before you and learn more of your wonderful love and grace for us and towards us. I pray for your saints here this morning, Lord, that you would encourage them to seek you with all their hearts, to know you. I pray for those that are suffering, those that are in anguish or depressed. I lift them up to you. I pray for those that are going through tremendous trials now. I pray that you would ease them by giving them great peace that passes all understanding. I pray for the word, Lord, speak to us now. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So let's begin. Job's devotion is established. Verse 1 says, The land of Oz, there lived a man whose name was Job, 
This man was blameless and upright and feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, and 500 donkeys. Had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to take uh, turns holding feasts in their homes, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the period of feasting had run its course, Job would sin and have them purified early in the morning. He would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This, what Job's, this was Job's regular custom. So we see here that his devotion was established here in his behavior. It says there in verse 1 that he feared God. He reverent God. He respected God. He adored God. And that's the idea, I think, of the, the elders or men that are older than me and have such wisdom. I have so much reverence for them in a good way. I respect them. You know, it isn't a fear of shaking or, you know, being afraid. It's the uh, honoring such a, a powerful being. Um, if any government official would come to me throughout the world, and many have, I had such respect for them, you know, a good, honorable respect. And that's what, you know, that word their fear means, having a reverence for God. Notice his life, blameless, always wanting to do what was right according to God's standard, not according to man's standard. You notice that man's standard is being altered. They're no longer giving way to science. They're no longer giving way to education. They're not living, no longer giving way to a balanced, you know, philosophy. It's just being thrown out to the wind and believe whatever you want. And so that's not what Job was about. Job respected God's word and he honored God in his action by living it out. Look at what it says there, that he's that he feared God and shunned evil. Whenever there was evil, he walked away from it. He was blameless. It doesn't say that he was sinless, but in his actions towards other, you couldn't pin him down on a bad behavioral problem. And, you know, and I think about this and I'm like, wow, man, Lord, get me there. <laughs> get me there. I, I need to be there. Think about devotion. The word devotion is love, loyalty, Commitment, obedient. Devotion is expressed in our lives and our desire to know God. Uh, our devotion is expressed in our obedience to God, living out his word, uh, living out what he has said deep within our soul, of course. Ezra says it like this, Ezra 7.10, for Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to the teaching, its decree and law in Israel. So we see a different kind of devotion there. Same principle. God has overwhelmed him by his love, and so he's devoted himself to God's word, kind of like us as pastors here at the rock. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All men were assembled there for the work, and we did not acquire any land. So he devoted himself to the work of God. God had spoke to him about building the walls of Jerusalem. That was his devotion. So devotion has many forms in it, but it has the same underlying foundation. It's about God and obeying God. Matthew 6, 24 says this, No one can serve two masters. 
Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. That's that word there, devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus sums it up in Matthew 22 and verse 37. He says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This morning, how is your devotion? Look at Job's devotion. Good answer, by the way. Good. <laughs> Notice Job's concern for his family in verse 5. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. He was, he was very engaged in their life regarding God. He wanted to show how to lay down the sacrificial system for their guilt or for their sins. So he was, you know, integrated into their lives. And this is important for us as parents. Don't give up. Grandparents, give them Jesus. Amen. You know, many times you're trying to be cool. They already think you're a nerd. Give, <laughs> just laying it out there, man. Give them Jesus, man. Tell them about God's great love for them over and over again, until they have that relationship with Jesus. That's so important. And I love this because it expresses Job's devotion. Not only does, it, does, does he do it in society, but he does it at home with his family. So here it says there that his devotion is established. Now, moving on, Job's devotion is questioned, verses 6 through 12. It says this, in verse 6, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless, upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. I love that God is bragging about his servant. Isn't that amazing? What would God say about you? Let's move on. <laughs> verse 9. Here is the accusation. Here is the question that uh, Satan lays at God's uh, throne there. Does Job fear God for nothing? Hey, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the works of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So the question here of Job's character, Satan believes that his relationship with God is very shallow, that he only serves God for gifts, for things offered, for God gives you and he protects you. That's why you serve God. And the obvious question for us this morning is, why do you serve God? Do you serve God because of gifts? Do you serve God because he's given you the American dream? What a privilege it is to be an American. I, let me, that's another sermon. But anyway, <laughs> what, you know, we, we, we think of all the, 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 the things that God gives to us, and that's why we praise him and worship him. But if it's shallow... If it's just because of gifts, he's given us fire insurance from hell, then you're going to have problems later on in life. You're going to have problems with 
testing of your faith. You're going to accuse God falsely. You're going to make false accusations against him. Uh, He doesn't love me. Look at my life. My car is broken. My relationship is broken. I lost my job. Someone has died in my family. On and on it could be said. And you could be angry at God. And I've seen it over and over again. People come to my office or come to me and I can't stand God. Why did he allow this to happen? I'm like, why would you say that? When God has given you the greatest gift of all, his son, Jesus. He's given you his great love and his affection and it's declared in the word over and over again how he thinks of you and he delights himself in you. And so this growth that we need It has to be developed in that deep relationship through his word by his Holy Spirit. There's no easy way. When you find someone that you love and adore, it takes time to get to know them. If you jump in, boy, you really get to know them. (laughs) Flesh versus flesh, right off, right? And so the the beauty that you once married in that woman, you're like, oh, she was so beautiful. And then you wake up there and she looked like a pile of bones and skeletons and eyes hanging out going, I hate you. You know, you're like, oh, you know, relationships take time. Develop them wisely. And with God, it takes time. You must get to know him. You must spend time in prayer. You must take time in the word of God. If you don't, at some point, your foundation is going to crack and fall apart because it's not based on solid foundation, on God's love. And this is so important because testing will come about. And so this false accusation he lays on Job, he says, Job only serves you because you give him things. And he says this, it says um, in verse 12, the Lord said to Satan, very well, then everything he has in your hands, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And so we have some theological questions here that we should address before we move on. Uh, The first one is if you're reading in uh, New King James Version, it says the sons of God came and visit the heavenly realms and visit Yahweh, God there. Uh, This is very, uh, you know, the Bible makes it very clear, even in the book of Job itself, that these are angels. Uh, The angels are coming up into heaven. In fact, the the Targum and the Septuagint, when it's talking about, um, when it's translating this phrase, it writes down angels there. I guess the, the, the difficulty for us this morning is seeing Satan talking to Yahweh. That's difficult, you know, in your theology. How, how can this God who's pure and holy be with this sinner and have this conversation who's just deep with, you know, murderous ways? And so uh, I'd like to propose to you that this is none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who can walk with sinners. Jesus Christ is the one who forgives us of our sins. Listen, it is through Jesus that all creation is made. Listen to this. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without nothing was made that has been made. 
So Jesus is the creator. Of course, with the Father's permission, he's creating all of this. And so he's got his creation, the devil, before him. And notice that he's not omnipresent. He had to come from, through, you know, somewhere on the earth. In fact, God questions him. Jesus questions him, where have you come from? He's not everywhere, thank God, right? He doesn't, you know, some of us are like, you know, the devil's after me. You, you know that story, right? The devil's crying on the corner and he's sitting on the curb and he's crying and someone says, what's wrong, devil? And he says, oh, I'm just tired of everybody blaming me for everything. You know, <laughs> he can't get you, but he does have a lot of demons and they're at work, a lot of fallen angels. So uh, what's he doing in heaven? Of course, Revelation chapter 12, verse seven gives us this glimpse. Here it is. This is yet in the future, but it talks about some of the things that take place in our time and even in the past. Revelation 12, verse 7 begins, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. So there's the devil, lost his place in heaven. That great dragon in verse 9 was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled down to the earth and his angels with him. It says in verse 10, and this is where we get a good picture of what he's doing here in Job. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. There he is. Today, he's making accusations against you. You know, poor Stephen back there. Last night, he, the devil saw what he was doing last night. No, I'm not going to pick on Stephen. Let me do it on me. I, I did that one time, and the wife called me and said, Bond, did he really do that? I'm like, no, no, it was just an analogy. So... The devil was out there accusing me. I really wasn't doing this, guys, but I'm going to use me as an analogy, okay? Uh, you know, last night, coming home, he was driving on the freeway over the speed limit. He was in and out, you know, causing people, almost causing accidents, and people were, you know, very angry and yelling, so he yelled back. That didn't happen, but that's what the devil is saying. I would never do anything like that. <laughs> but for some of you, maybe the devil is accusing you. <laughs> You should have seen what Vaughn was looking at on the TV last night. And that's the devil's up there accusing us day and night. By the way, not just me, every one of you. And you know what Jesus, you know how Jesus responds? This is how he responds. Nope, they've been blood bought. They've been purchased by me. Their past, their present, and their future sins have been dealt with on the cross. They are perfect in my eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Amen? Just to close up this story, this happens in Revelation. It's yet in the future. A three and a half year mark. Uh, the angel, you know, is commanded, Michael, the archangel, is commanded by God, take care of the devil. Now, you have to remember that Michael and the devil had met before. Remember that whole battle for Moses' body? And remember, my, Michael couldn't do anything. Michael just said, the Lord rebuke you, you know? But now, God said, Michael, take care of this. Can you imagine, Michael? This, this is going down. This is going down, man. Takes the devil, boom, you know, gets rid of him. Says, you're no longer up here anymore. 
And by the way, that's the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. Another story, another day, we'll talk about that. But notice this. It says there that, you know, in heaven, that's why we say it's Jesus, because he can't be around sinners. I mean, Jesus can be around sinners. God the Father can't. So hopefully this, um, these theological issues cleared up. Now, Job's devotion was questioned. Now we get into Job's devotion is tested. And I just hate this portion. I don't even pray it for my enemies. But let's read this. Verse 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. And the Sabaeans attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servant, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And then finally it goes on, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. We see that God has removed his hand from Job's life. There is a purpose in this. But then again, I, I look at it and I go, God, never allow this to happen to me. His livelihood taken. The wealth, this, this book goes so far back in time that the wealth is declared by the animal he has, the land that he has, and his wealth has been taken away in one day. This book is so old, the book of Job is so old that you won't see the name of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. You don't really see the Levitical sacrificial laws such as Moses had written down. You don't even hear about Moses. And so what we're here seeing and reading right now is a very old book about a man by the name of Job who has an amazing relationship with God. But his relationship is tested. Livelihood gone. His wealth, his inheritance, all taken. The fire of God fell from the sky. Now his servants have put doubt in his mind and blamed God. We know that was the devil's doing. Notice the devil. He has great authority. He has He's in charge of the military. He brought the Sabine and the Chaldeans. Revelation 9, when you get into that, it's uh, Daniel, I mean, uh, John begins to declare about this locust. Millions of locusts come in and they have these shields and they have this, you know, sounding hair, you know, and all this. He's in his own vernacular. He's just trying to describe a military might of our time. Think about that. And then at the end, it says there was one man in charge, the devil. He's in charge. And it brings these stingers, and they sting people, and they're in pain for months and want to die, but they can't. And here is John, you know, declaring what's going to happen with this man, this, this devil who's in charge of an army. When I look at that and I think of all the locusts, I think of drones. The drones are perfect for that. They have missiles, they have gas bombs. They, they, it's so amazing. The technology is finally caught up to the book of Revelation. 
For another day, by the way. For another day, we'll talk about that. Notice the power. Military, fire, and now we're going to read the winds. It says in Job chapter 1, verse 18, And while he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. The deepest of all waters I would imagine to cross would be the death of a loved one at such a young age. Losing all the children in one day, the mental disorder, the depression that would set in, and then you would know why his wife told Job, you know, curse God and die. And he says, don't speak foolishly. She's in anguish. She can't comprehend what's going on here. How can we have such a great life for so long and in one day lose it all, including our children? How would you react? It's the question. How's your relationship with God? I've seen many people wave their fist at God because of the of things of losing their jobs, losing a pet, you know, accident, flat tire. God, you know, you can't believe you. And they lay such false accusation without comprehending who God is. It's so important to grow in your faith. It's so important to get to know God so that you can discern what you're really saying before God. A few cross-reference of testing. I want to let you know, especially you young believers, there is a testing that's coming. There's testing that are natural from life, right? Natural life just brings about testing, but then there's testings from God. And when they come from God, there is a purification that's going on within our soul. And so James chapter one, verse two through four says this, consider it pure joy, my brother and sister, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, that perseverance finishes its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Testing from God produces growth, maturity, so that we won't blame God for everything, that we won't lay God a false accusation. James 1.12 says this, blessed is the one who perseveres under trials because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Proverbs 17.3 says this, the crucible for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Your testing is coming. For most, I pray that the testing is behind you, <laughs> not before you. I hope that no one has to go through this. But if you do, then be prepared because it's coming. It happens to everyone. Think about Abraham tested severely with famine, tested with his own son going up on Mount Moriah. Joseph, the innocent one thrown into prison, many years suffered 
away from home. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego taken from Israel. These men are famous for their faith and their love towards God, but yet they were taken from Israel to Babylon, thrown into the furnace of fire. Daniel thrown in the lion's den. They had to go through it. At the end, their faith was perfected. You have to go through it. I pray that you would make it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is an encouraging verse. It says this, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. I, I thank God for that, right? Someone has experienced what you are going through and they're there to help you. That's why we need each other. The church is perfectly placed in such a situation for times of trouble to help one another. But this is the one, this is the part I like. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Thank you, God. Because some of the struggles, some of the testing seems so severe, but yet he doesn't allow you to go to a breaking point. Close. <laughs> but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure. Job, devotion is tested. When the testing comes, and it will, what will come out of your lips? How will you react towards God? Will you wave your fist like many that I've known? I will never believe in a God that hates. I'll never believe in a God that brings destruction. I never, they blame everything on God without even knowing him. How many times I've gone out street witnessing and shared with people and they would bring up these foolish accusations and I would say, why would you blame God for a fault line that runs through the whole planet Earth that creates earthquakes? Why would you blame God for man-made diseases that have come on, on and on and on foolishly reasoning with them about God's great love? Reasoning with them that he's given them the best that he has. He emptied heaven of his son Jesus to come down for you and I. He made a way to make it from death to life. Listen, I don't care how young, you know, when, you, when you're young, you're so strong, right? I can take the world, I can take all that it has, and when I get into hell, hell I'll rule, right? That's it. I've said it, you know. Gosh, when you get old, you're, you're, you're frail, you know? The young kids can whip you now, and you're like, man, you know, I'm very frail. I look at life differently. And life doesn't make sense anymore unless God is in the picture. Amen. He has life to give us past this life. No religious leader on planet Earth has the rights to tell you what happens after this life because they're still in their grave. Jesus defeated the grave and he came back and told us exactly what's going to happen. He's the only one. No religious leader has ever said that they were God, the, the, the top religious leaders. No other religious leader ever told you, yeah, I, you know, you're going to make it to heaven for sure. No one. But Jesus did. Jesus. He's the truth. He's the way. Life doesn't make sense without a true God. And he's given you an ability to come to him. Job's devotion is tested. You will be tested. But what will you say? Listen to the very end here in Job chapter 1, verse 20. Job's devotion is proved. 
his devotion is proved. Listen to what he says. Everything gone, his wealth is gone, his children is gone. His wife is there, but his wife, her, the wife is so confused, so depressed, so overwhelmed mentally. She tells Job, curse God and die. Job responds and says, don't speak foolishly about God. And he says this in verse 20, at this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground in worship. And said, naked I've come from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. What an amazing man of God. He is rooted in a deep understanding of God's character. He knows God. This is where we need to get to, my friends. We, get, we have to come to a knowledge of who God is. We have to know his character. And we have this amazing Bible that illustrates him. It speaks of his works, speaks of his love and his grace towards humanity. It speaks of his actions. The Bible says, if you can count the grains of sand, that's how often he thinks of you. That's amazing. He wants to have a relationship with you. Job got it right. Listen to Job's understanding of God's uh, character here. Job 5, 17 through 18 says, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore do not despise the chastising of the Almighty, for he bruises, but he binds up. I love that. He wounds, but his hands make whole. I love it. Listen to what he said in Job 7, verse 17 through 18. What is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him, that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment? He understands God. In Job 13, 15, he says this, Though God slay me, yet will I trust him. His depth and knowledge of God brings him to an understanding, even if bad things happen to me, even if I die, I know that I must trust him. He's the only way. He loves me. Job 19.25 says this, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the end he shall stand on the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. Oh my goodness. How did he know God? We have the written word. We have this amazing testimony of all these men who walked with God and has declared God's character. We have all this, but how did he come to know God in such a beautiful way? At the end in Job 42, after all the testing has come to the end, he says this, and then I'll read just a portion, but in your own free time, read one through six, but five through six, it says this, my ears had heard of you. I've heard of you. I've heard the great men speak about you. I have known you in that kind of relationship. But he says this, 
but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. He says, I have known you, but now I have experienced you and I love you the more. And even so much more that I realize how much of a sinner I am before you. And I'll come before you, but I despise my sins. I repent in dust and ashes because who you are is so magnificent. Oh, my friends, we need to come to this place in our understanding of God. We must be so thankful that we have the word of God to read and to gain knowledge of who God is and of his character. I love studying theology. Theology is a study of God. I love uh, a good book is Wayne Gruden, Systematic Theology. He works through the attributes of God, the characteristics of God, his love, his peace, his wrath, his fear, all these things. And when you learn about God, oh, so much more love comes from your heart towards him. You're learning the deep knowledge of God. God is knowable. He's given us certain things to know about him. And one of the greatest things that you'll ever see is his great love for you. I'm amazed at Job's knowledge of God. The question for us this morning is, how well do you know God? Testing's coming, and, uh, and I, my heart is broken for some of you that are going through some amazing trials right now, some, some areas of life that there's no way I could walk in. Those deep waters, I'm, I'm sure, are over your head, so it seems, and I will pray for you. But how will you do this morning in that deep trial when it comes to God? How will you respond to him? This is so important, and my challenge to you this morning is for 2021, fall in love with Jesus. Get to know him through his word. Devotion. Pick up a devotional. Read about him. Read about his love for you. He gave up his son. He gave up the best that he had for you. When I'm in the streets and I'm witnessing, I tell him, listen, God does not hate you. He doesn't love, he doesn't, he doesn't hate your life standard right now and your life situation and where you're at. He wants to save you. And, the, and, the, and you know, it, it's so, and how he gently comes into the soul and begins to do that work is quite amazing. And I tell him, listen, God gave everything up for you. An old saint used to say this, that God bankrupt heaven for you. This was simply his way of saying that God gave the very best heaven had to offer. Can't say that God doesn't love you. He loves you. And it's our job to get to know him this year more than any year. Let us draw near to God. Amen. Let's this, let 2021 begin with our hearts saying, God, I want to know you. Like Paul said, in your death and resurrection, ooh, you know <laughs> I want to know you, God. 
I love, love studying the Bible. I love to know more about God. And every year, it seems I get to know more of his glory. And it draws me so closer to him. And I pray that this year, when the testing comes, you'll come out saying what Job said there at the very end. Naked I've came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, there are some here that are going through a tremendous trial. Lord, this, some of these trials seem like it's just suffocating their life. They're close to that mental disorder. They're anxious and they're, they need help. And Lord, we have nothing to offer but you, Jesus. So we ask that you would come and rescue them right now. Maybe you won't take them out of the trial, but you'll give them peace that passes all understanding. I pray that right now for the saints that are going through this heavy trial. I pray for those that don't know you, Lord Jesus. I don't know quite how it works in heaven. Those that believe in you, you've protected, but those that don't believe you, I don't know how much protection you have over them. So I lift them up to you right now. I pray for them. I pray that even now, Lord Jesus, you would speak to them and draw them close to you. Lord, you came into my soul when I was waving my fist at you saying, no thanks. And you overwhelmed me by your love. And I pray that right now for those that don't know you. Save them, Jesus. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org. 